on this episode of AV Week, Warren Buffett looks to buy a distributor of AV products. Looking at the diversity of the AV industry and getting into healthcare. All that and more. Next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 433, recorded Friday, December 6th, 2019, The Smell of Money. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. And by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. And by Vadio. Makers of the new NDI Professional Broadcast Camera, the RoboShot 30E NDI. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, last time I saw her, she had long red hair. So uh, my buddy <laughs> Don Mead with a very cute, was that called a pixie cut? Yes, it's pixie cut. <laughs> I like it. It's cool. I, I'm growing to like it. It's been a challenge. I've tried to take down my ponytail about 17 times since I had it done. Um, but yeah, it was a matter of necessity. I am currently handicapable due to some sur- shoulder surgery. So um, it was either this or just like crazy banshee hair with mats and knots. And it was better to cut it all off. I understand. <laughs> I, I probably would have gone the same way. So uh, also with us is, uh, the, well, we'll stay in the East Eastern Time Zone, Mr. Dan Gundry from uh, um, um, Vistacom. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. I think you're going to go hair um, larger to uh, smaller. To bigger, is wow. that is? Yeah. If you're not Sorry, watching the Peter. video, that's actually fairly yeah, accurate. Where, where are we heading now? Uh, because Peter Herr, <laughs> who is just north of me in Chicago, is from sure. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much, Jim. Glad to be here. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess we all four have uh, short hair. That's fine. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. all fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's kick this off and get this going so we can get our weekend started. Uh, first uh, article comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine. The headlines kind of says it all. Warren Buffett is bidding $5 billion for Maverick AV owner. Uh, the sage of Omaha says he understands the company's role as a middleman, but was outbid by investors at Apollo Global Management, whose offer was accepted by Maverick owner Tech Data. Uh, legendary owner Warren Buffett bid $5 billion for the company that owns Maverick AV uh, before being outbid. One thing um, he said he, he wants people to understand, it was our kind of business. It's one you can, it's one you can understand, meaning that the, the um, moving products from point A to point B, meaning a, a distributor. Don, I want to start with you on this, though. Uh, when folks like Warren Buffett, and yes, he is a name, and yes, you know, um, somewhat of a celebrity when it comes to the financial industry, and one of the richest men in the world, he starts coming knocking on on AV's door. This is something that we have been talking about for a number of years as more and more investment firms and more and more investment banks get into this industry, meaning they're buying up integration firms, they're buying up manufacturers, they're buying up uh, distributors now. What does this say about the health and the future of of this industry? I think it's pretty clear that this is a further sign that after 75, 100 years, how old is this industry really? Um, We finally made it as an industry. People are realizing because we are everywhere and so ubiquitous, now they're starting to realize, wait a minute, 
this is a thing. There are people that make money doing this. There is a knowledge bank and there is, um, you know, a skill set that's involved and that this is something that is worth investing in. Um, you know, for many years, I mean, just in my career, and I'm, I, I'd like to think I'm not that old, uh, you know, I, I've had years with my mother saying, what do you do for a living? I think she sells TVs or something. And you know, people think I work at Best Buy. They don't know that we're an industry. And so now we're starting to get the cred from not just the IT world, but the greater world beyond just IT that has to work with us that, hey, AV technology is a thing. It's a very specialized thing. It takes a lot of time and money and energy and brain power to do it. And we want to invest in that and be part of it because it's where the world is going. And if you look around, I mean, I've said it since I started in this industry. Imagine if you woke up tomorrow and there were no AV products anywhere. No, no telephones, because that's speakers and mics. No televisions. Those are monitors, of course. You know, you could have IT, sure, you could have boxes doing computing, but you wouldn't have any inputs or outputs because you wouldn't have a monitor. You know, it, it, it just is so entrenched in our life. And I'm really happy to see that that this acceptance is coming so that maybe in the future, we won't have such a difficult time recruiting people to our industry and explaining to our parents and grandparents what it is we do for a living. Yeah, one of our, our mutual friends, uh, um, uh, Rich Fregosa, still tells his parents that he, he fixes VCRs for a living. So, you know, there's, <laughs> there is that. Dan, when, when companies start like, like, you know, Mr. Buffett's and others, start looking at our industry and start picking up the the um the bigger uh, fish i guess the, just to say this the, the nice way because five billion dollars is nothing to shake a stick at um you know what does that do for the folks that are kind of farther down uh the chain maybe you're not worth five billion but maybe hey you know what you're worth 500 million so what does that mean for for those industries and, and for those not those industries but for, for those companies that are you know maybe not as profitable but they're still profitable as they're looking towards either to transition or to you know for a succession plan to either pass it down to the next generation or to get out. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. You've already seen that right with uh, I think it's Marlin uh, that owns Whitlock and HIG owns AVISPL. So it's happening with the the largest of us, but we're also seeing it. Uh, with other companies that are, you know, in that maybe 25 to $50 million annual revenue uh, areas, uh, you brought up an interesting point about secession, right? And I think that's becoming a, a real concern of those second, third generations is, hey, listen, we don't have that third generation that wants to take over, is ready to take over the organization, but it's a thriving business. It's a growing business. It's a business that makes sense to stay out there. What do we do? We've seen uh, mergers and acquisitions. We've seen uh, private equity come into the industry. I think it's good for the most part. Um, I think the one thing that when I read the article, the first thing that popped into my head was we're waiting for a, a true disruption in the AV world. And we're going to speak about that a little bit later on. We start talking about diversity, uh, at least the way in which uh, Steve Greenblatt uh, talks about it. But I, I think that what we need to be careful is not the right word, but aware of is that one of these uh, one of these outsiders is going to come in and, and really just blow up the way that we do business. And we need to be as ready and prepared for that as possible. And if that means partnering with private equity and private dollars to be able to do that, uh, I see that as a good thing. Uh, Peter, when it comes to some of these um, bids, and I mentioned the fact that Mr. Buffett was, was outbid, he had, he had put the bid in for um, $140 a share. Um, mm -hmm. Which was the, the company was valued as 100, at 130 um, a share. The uh, 
folks that, that won it eventually Apollo um, had eventually put their bid in for 145 uh, and I, I guess most most likely that's when mr. Buffett said okay I'm out do, do bidding wars like this or or, or nah, it, I shouldn't say bidding war but conversations like this where you do have folks that are bidding and raising the prices does it think you think that hurts or helps our industry um, because sometimes there are, you know, tendencies to, for, you know, bids to go a little bit more than what they maybe should. Right. Like the overvalue issue. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think, um, I mean, bottom line, I think these, these outside firms that are showing renewed interest or a new interest, I guess, if you will, in, in the industry is they're, they're kind of following the money. I mean, they're, they, they, they smell something. And I think they're they're They know the growth potential. Um, they know, that there's, you know, that there's, you know, like he, like I'm, I love the, I love the note that he mentioned. You know, he knows, he knows, you know, the business. He knows, you know, he understands it, but he has no idea about the products. And that's that's kind of that's kind of the sideways uh, view of it. But I think that the revenue potential, the growth potential, is is unsurpassed. I mean, just in my experience alone here at Sure. You know what we've been able to experience specifically in this segment that I work in uh, for integrated systems products, it's it's you know it's been it's been tremendous. It's been a wild ride for the 20 years that I've been here, and that the reason is is that there's a lot of industry growth and potential, and you know, albeit some consolidation as well, but it's um, it's it's kind of like a rocket right now, and um, and I think that the word is getting out basically. Let me ask a, a dangerous question here, and, and none of you can answer it if you don't want, or all of you can answer it if you don't want, if, if you want. Is this the last time we've heard from Warren Buffett in our industry? I'd like to say no. Okay. I, I, you know, I, I agree I, I with think, you, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, as Peter says, you know, follow the money and every time we get one of those great little forecasts of, of financial growth from Avixa based on you know all of their metrics we're going higher and higher and and companies like you know the the large investment firms and people like Buffett they follow the money although Peter I gotta say I resent the fact that you think we smell but <laughs> I, ho- I hope you meant the smell of money not the smell of money is what I meant yes exactly because we all love that right come on <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of uh, the forecast, uh, our next story comes to us from our friends over at Commercial Integrator, talking about the the benefits and, and the the kind of the, the gold mine that is the healthcare industry for the uh, for uh, AV. Um, written by uh, Zachary uh, Como, and Zachary points to Avixis forecasting, and I'll, I'll read some of this. Now, understand that this is this is you know Commercial Integrator relying on on Avixis forecasting. So if yours is different, you know. You, you can take it up with Avixa, but they're looking at um, the, the AV industry as a whole is supposed to, according to Avixa, see a, a growth rate of 2.2% in revenues from the healthcare industry by itself. Um, the U.S. government says that there should be a 14% growth between 2018 and 2028 20, uh, to 6.6%. So truth, as a lot of times, is somewhere in the middle, most likely, somewhere between two and a half to six and a half percent over the next 10 years. Dan, we'll start with you on this. When you guys look at various verticals and you start looking around to, to ones that you guys can either delve into even more or potentially break into, looking at, at Avix's numbers and honestly looking at, at some of the U.S. government's forecasts, is this something where you guys look at 
where they think the industry is going, or is it your own internal kind of reporting? You got and where you where you guys kind of decide this is the direction we need to head. I think it's I think overall it's a mix that every organization has to evaluate on its own because there's two pieces to it. There's one that the the dollars and cents growth potential within a particular field, but you also need to make sure that your organization is set up for success at uh, at getting into and sustaining existence within a niche market like that. And while the article talks about healthcare, you can very easily talk about a couple of the other you can plug you know, broadcast in for, for, for that. You can plug control rooms, virtual reality. You can plug a lot of different other niches into that. I think an organization that goes after the healthcare market that really embeds itself and does a lot of the things that that article talks about in terms of advisors that live and breathe it on a regular basis, you've staffed up so that you know it, you, you, you really absorb and become a part of the fabric of that industry that you're supporting. Um, there's not a lot of room to do that in multiple channels. If you're going to be really good, be really good within that one niche market um, or two markets, or when you start spreading yourself thin is when you start to water down your proposition. And, but I think the, the, those companies that do it well and do it right are staying ahead of that commoditization curve and they're finding real profitability and they're finding loyalty among customers, which is harder and harder to come across. So I'm all for it. I think you need to make sure that if you do it, you do it 100% and you do it right. Peter, when, when Avixa comes out with this and, and Cedia does as well and NSCA does as well, uh, and those are just three industry associations I'm going to pick on. Other, You guys obviously look at other government forecasts and other forecasters as well. You guys start looking at this, and let's let's pick on healthcare for a second, and they say that you know healthcare is going, going to blow up. Where do you guys start adjusting your resources? And you mentioned about that you work in the integrated systems market, right? Right. Um, I know from having friends that work at Sure, there are other verticals that you guys touch as well. Entertainment is, is one, you know. Mm-hmm. So is it something where there, there comes a breaking point where you guys, okay, you know what? We're going to dedicate an entire team to healthcare. We're going to de- dedicate an entire team to, I don't know, UC, or is it where you look at the at the systems that they're being that that are being put in and the people that are putting them in? Go, you know what? Yes, it's healthcare, but it belongs under integrated systems, right? Yes, it's it's live staging and events, but that's that's you know that's entertainment, right? So, it, do you, is it, it does it make sense for you guys to break out an entire segment like that, or just keep it all under under one kind of overarching group? Um, we, we've done it a couple ways, actually. I think. It, in our current state right now, where we are is, um, you know, we've, I think we're, we're viewing healthcare as opportunistically, because I think a lot of our partners are, um, you know, are, are, are doing things where it makes sense. We've done some, uh, a, a few interesting things like case studies and stuff like that with some like teaching hospitals and stuff like that, where that kind of interaction and dialogue is necessary. Um, but I wouldn't say it's a focus for us. And I don't know that we would necessarily, you know, dedicate a whole team to pursuing one particular segment within our, within at least our vertical. We've certainly done it in the past. Um, I will say like when we tried to really, uh, in the past, we've really kind of built out, um, not the entertainment side, but our, uh, what used to be called actually personal audio at Shure, which was kind of like the consumer, you know, B2C mm-hmm. stuff for the earphones, the headphones, and even the, you know, the podcasting mics, um, you know, that a dedicated you know, segment or a business unit that really goes after that and tries to understand that customer top to bottom um, 
is something that we have done in the past. But this this article was just interesting because I felt like, you know, and Dan mentioned it too, you really need to go all in to understand this customer and all the ins and outs of what it's about uh, if you're going to succeed and, and to gain that loyalty because it's not something you can just kind of dabble in and be like, oh, I'm going to just be casual and, and today's healthcare, tomorrow is something else because it's, it's you're not going to be successful. Absolutely. Don, uh, put, put your, your integrator back hat back on and your, and your marketing integrator hat back on. Talk about what Peter just said there for a second. You know, how, how do you get your teams, how do you get your salespeople, how do you get your, your sales engineers when you start looking at various verticals and go, you know what, folks, we're going to go after this. So like Peter said, you've got to get, you know, put your nose down, your nose to the grindstone and really kind of figure this segment out. How do you, how do you sell that to your internal team? Well, first of all, I mean, when you, when you break into a new vertical like that, be it healthcare, be it broadcast, be it government and military, you need to have buy-in. You can't just unilaterally at the top or in the middle, wherever, make a decision that we're doing this vertical and everybody just has to be on board. You have to get the people excited about it. You have to get, the, the like I said, the buy-in to want to learn because there is a lot of learning involved. There's a massive learning curve um, for government, for broadcast, especially for healthcare. Um, about 10, 15 years ago, the integrator I was with at the time wanted to do a few healthcare projects. Um, you know, we can come in and we can do a boardroom. We can do a little conference room off to the side at the hospital where the executives meet or something. We could even put a little digital, little digital signage in a couple of the lobbies. That isn't a problem. Where we hit wall after wall after wall was being able to understand the needs of the internal parts of the hospital. You can do a couple of little surface projects as an integrator easily in healthcare and say, we do healthcare, but it's not doing healthcare. If you want to, like the article said, you have to know about special environmental tents around ceiling tiles that you're dropping to prevent, you know, any kind of um, disruption in a sterile field. You need to know if you're putting in touch screens or monitors that they have to have the, the special biofilm stuff that they were developing back 10, 15 years ago when my integrator was looking at them that will keep those sterile or safe for use with people with immunocompromised systems. You need to know about all the HIPAA regulations and all of the, the demands for privacy that are involved. If you're even going to put in, say, um, like a, a Cambridge or, a, or a, a some of those other, you know, sound, white, sound masking systems, you, you, there's a lot more involved than just I'm going to put up a TV in every patient room. You know, there's a reason a lot of hospitals have those ancient regular CRT TVs in their rooms. It's because they haven't come up with the safe, available, affordable systems and companies that know enough about healthcare to come in and put those in. And uh, as Peter said, if you, you know, if you go all in on a particular vertical and you learn it and become the best at it, I mean, yeah, you can make bank, but that's true in any vertical. Yeah. You just have to get that buy-in from your whole team to say, okay, we're going to really study this. We're going to find out exactly what we need to know on the HIPAA front, on the regulatory front regarding sterile fields, you know, on the on the technology front. You know, Peter works for a microphone manufacturer. If they were going to start manufacturing hospital quality microphones for surgery uh, operating theaters, they'd need to know about, you know, uh, bug resistant 
plastics that they would use to extrude to make you couldn't put in a regular windscreen on a mic. Mm -hmm. But as I know firsthand from my recent surgery, they're using mics and speakers and cameras, little cameras inside your body on giant screens for robotic surgery. You know, you have to be a specialty company to do that. So sorry, mom and pop integrators that I always worked for, but you're not really going to be doing healthcare. You might do a project for a doctor or a hospital here or there, but unless you're willing to get full buy-in and invest in education and heck, maybe even hire a few people from that field that are tech savvy to bring in as part of your team, you're not going to be doing healthcare. Yeah. Right. Or any vertical for that. Yeah, matter. or any vertical. Absolutely, that's that's actually a good place to start. Uh, uh, last story here comes to us uh, from our buddy uh, Steve Greenblatt and the host of our show, um, State of Control, writes for uh, AV Network and SCN about the Avix's Diversity Council. This is an organization that's been around for about a year and a half, two years now. And um, Steve does a lot of work with it. My buddy um, Kevin McLaughlin uh, does a lot of work with it over in the UK. Um, Alexis Lebroy, which I get to hang out with. Uh, this week in, in D.C., uh, does a lot of work with it as well, Charmaine. The idea here is to get more folks uh, in the industry that do not look like the industry 20 years ago. Uh, be very uh, specific how I say that. You know, uh, I've made no bones about the fact that I'm a big, dumb American. Right. I, I, I am, you know, I live in the Midwest, um, outside of St. Louis and I am, I, you know, somewhat self-deprecating, but uh, I, I don't know what I don't know when it comes to the rest of the world. I also don't know what I don't know when it comes to being a person of color or a woman or someone who is, um, uh, has, uh, you know, different, um, sexual preferences. I don't know that because that's not me. I, I, I have friends that are that way. I, I listen to them, but I like this diversity council because it opens up those conversations. Um, one thing, and, and Peter, we're going to start with you on this, honestly, because as, as a manufacturer, you guys kind of have a, a, a broader sense and, and um, kind of a, an overarching view of this. One thing that Steve uh, writes in here is that no matter the background, interest, or role that is being represented, quote unquote, the Diversity Council encourages interaction, understanding, and the acceptance of all members despite different beliefs, makeups, and, and abilities. How do we have those kind of, how do we start those conversations internally to, in our companies, uh, but also with our clients, right? How do we have those conversations? It, was Is it a council like this? And then we take what they've talked about further, or is it, you know, something where we actively internally with, with our folks uh, and our employees say, you know what, guys, this, this is something that's important as we kind of grow and expand and um, show the next generation um, that this industry is inviting to all people. I, well, I think I think you nailed it right when you were you mentioned growth because I mean obviously as a you know ninety five year old audio company that I work for that I've been here for twenty two years, I mean there's a way that things have been done and there's there's the people that have been doing it for for that long, but I certain now I'm one of the old timers here and I know that our the key to our future as a manufacturer as someone as a company that continues to innovate and, and build on success and continuously improve and all those tenants that, that Mr. Sure kind of indoctrinated, you know, and, and kind of uh, put together in terms of, you know, what he, what his goals were for this company is, is to grow and to be inclusive. And, and we're, we're doing more hiring of it just, it's, it's, it's kind of the move to like, 
where society is going in general in terms of just like it's reflective of that it's reflective of of trends in 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 society in terms of um you know em embracing you know diversity embracing change embracing um you have to kind of roll with those changes or you're going to be left behind there's no way that you can you know hire a workforce that will move you forward until you you know really choose to you know make those adjustments as uh, as an organization uh, and and i think it mentions you know busting through the status quo in the article i mean that that's we know that you know without growth and innovation we're going to be left we're going to be left behind um it's it's just as simple as that so you have to embrace these these societal changes and the in these shifts in thinking and shifts in culture that um that you know have been so widespread in the past you know 10 15 20 years yeah Don, I, I spent a couple of days uh, in Washington D.C. Uh, with our friends at, at Future and, and some of those folks work for SC and other other Future magazines. They put on a show this this week uh, in D.C. called the Video Show, um, kind of the, the the successor of what the, used to be called the gov the government show or the government video show. Um, I was kind of I, I was honored to, to host a panel or moderate a panel uh, with uh, a guy that I hadn't met yet in person, Ernie Beck uh, from Baltimore. Uh, who has an organization called Integrate in in um, uh, Baltimore, but also uh, Christopher uh, Hope from the Loop Lab out in, in Boston and Latoya Lewis from Event U. All of these folks, all three of these groups tr are, are actively recruiting young people, um, young people that maybe not have an interest or, or an exposure to AV and saying, hey guys, there's an entire industry here that is looking for young people that are looking for uh, folks who are tech savvy, and then they train them and get them connected with jobs. There are inherent hurdles, though, and, and some of those hurdles include stuff like transportation and, 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 and other hurdles actually go back to uh, some pretty basic, um, you know, uh, biases that, that we have in this industry. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's kind of sad and unfortunate the fact that, that you know, we have an entire group of folks. We have an entire generation coming up under us that are diverse, um, more diverse than than, it, than our generation was. Um, they don't care, by and large, um, your your background or the color of your skin or you know what kind of foods you have. I don't care if you're vegan or if you're a carnivore. Doesn't matter, right? How do we get those folks into our integrators? Um, not just in, in New York and in LA and, and DC, but also in St. Louis, right? And also in, you know, in Boise, Idaho. Well, it, you know, it's not a simple solution because if it were, it would already happen. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's one of those things that as integrators, as end users, as manufacturers, we have to make a dedicated effort towards bringing some of these folks in, whether it's different races, different cultures, different ethnicities, genders, gender identities, um, even different generations. You know, we're coming up on a period of time when there are five or more generations in the workplace at once. And from that front, you know, you, you have to say, it, it just, I mean, you guys have heard me say this on podcasts about a number of topics in the past, but we have to say, look, we can't do this just the way we've always done it. We can't you know, the, the, what, the six most dangerous words, that's not how we have done it. Uh, the seven most dangerous words. It, it's, 
it's a case of you have to just be willing to make changes. You have to be willing to welcome these people in. You have to be willing to work with organizations like EventU and uh, Integrate Baltimore. And I know one of the tenets of me on this show these days is I can't say who I work for in the greater DC area, but I will say this. The organization I work for is very invested in making sure that we have a diverse workplace, both gender, um, race, creed, ethnicity, you know, all of the identities that we use to define people, they make a concerted effort to bring in and diversify the workforce throughout the enterprise. And especially, you know, in the different sectors, the IT sector, the AV group, you know, we all have this as a major talking point or thinking point when we're looking at making staffing decisions. So we recruit from the military, retire, retiring military who are pretty diverse. We also work being right here in the DC area. We work with Integrate Baltimore. We work with those folks and donate old equipment to them to help do with some of the training. We've hired some of their folks. And so it's up to integrators and manufacturers and end users to say, hey, this is important to us. This is important to the world at large. And we're going to make active steps to be part of it. We don't want to be the ones that are left behind on the dusty shelf of history that that may or may not be on the right side. And it's like, well, they meant well. <laughs> you know, we're looking back at the 60s and the civil rights movement to begin with. Well, they meant well, some of them, but they just weren't part of it. You want to be part of the diversification of our industry and all industries but to, to better reflect the world we live in. And I think if you make active changes that way and look at things like, you know, my own company, not as part of their diversity efforts, but as part of their green efforts, they set up ride shares. They set up commuting pools. You know, if you, if you have your integrator, your integration firm in the suburbs and you have some great talent in the inner city that may not have public transportation, Hey, put up some bulletin boards and say, look, we're looking to recruit in this talent pool that we know is there. Let's set up some ride shares. Let's figure out ways to get them here and be part of our company. Or let's open a satellite office that can take advantage of the public transpo. You know, so there's a lot of solutions. You just have to be willing to look for them and be willing to implement them. Yeah, absolutely. Daniel, have the last word on this as, as our resident uh, integrator today. H how do we get folks, you know, um, what, 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 are the guys, what, what are the steps or what are the processes? to get folks from, you know, 18, 19 year old interest, you know, level one tech into um, an organization like, like Vistacom. I think we're starting to see it happen more. I don't want to say naturally, but I think it's just occurring because the workforce is becoming more diverse. Um, you know, the, the commonality of AV in the everyday life, Don kind of talked about it uh, earlier in the, in the, in the conversation. Uh, I think we're starting to see more people interested, more younger people interested, um, what I really liked about Steve's article, and I don't want to pass this up, was that he had, it was a focus on the positivity and the benefits of, of diverse thinking and diverse teams, uh, as opposed to, you know, the word diversity out there, you know, with goals and quotas and those types of things. We're spitting the word into, this is the impact it can have positively on your organization, different life experiences, different paths, different mindsets. And when we start talking about a VIX's change to be more experiential, we're developing systems and solutions for people that are as diverse as our workforce and teams should be. And I think all of that is starting to tie a lot more together. Um, so while we shouldn't be making, or well, should, we should still be making efforts, I think it's also happening uh, a lot more naturally uh, as, as well. 
Well, I think to Dawn's point, she mentioned the fact that there are we're getting into a point here where we're going to have five potential generations in the workforce, um, especially if, if the baby boomers um, don't stop not retiring. Um, so that's a whole nother, you know. Okay, okay boomer. boomer. Thank you. <laughs> all right, that'll be that'll do it for us for this week. Thank you all so much, Miss Dawn Mead from uh, uh, AV Dawn uh, and uh, the our, our AV uh, social show. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for having me. And as always, I'm glad to be part of AV Week. Uh, how do people get a hold of you if they are so inclined? Of course, you can always find me here on avnation.tv, as Tim said, hosting the AV Social Show with my uh, lovely co-host, Kelly Perkins. You can also find me on the Twitterverse and the Instas and all the other uh, social medias at AV Dawn and around LinkedIn and more official places, Dawn Mead. And uh, if you happen to be in the D.C. area, I work for the government sort of roundabout and i can't tell you any more than that or i'd have to kill you but i'm sure i'll see you at infocom show or a few other places i, I love you <laughs> love um, you too tim <laughs> Dan thank you sir how do people get a hold of you or vistacom oh d gundry at vistacom inc.com dan gundry in twitter world and linkedin uh, and it's been an absolute hoot thank you very much tim and especially to don and peter as well absolutely absolutely and Mr. Peter Herr, due north of me, go Bears! Uh, go Bears! <laughs> um, they we're recording this on Friday, the day after they they have uh, they have beat uh, my buddy Matt Scott's uh, um, Cowboys. So, uh, how do people get a hold of you or uh, or Sure? Uh, well, our, our systems uh, Twitter feed is at Sure Systems, and uh, that's probably one of the the hipper ways to get a hold of us. Uh, you can also reach me directly at at p a h e r r and. Uh, Happy to connect there as well on the Twitters. So uh, thanks so much, guys. Have a great weekend. Absolutely, absolutely. Actually, you'll, if you're going to ISE, you will get to see Peter. Uh, you'll also get to see me uh, hang out with you guys there. Uh, and uh, if you're in the the UK, uh, London area, uh, Sure just opened up a brand new uh, experience center. Yeah, there in London. So it's pretty slick. I haven't been there. I'm excited to go. Yeah, I haven't either. I'm probably it'll probably be next year, late next year, sometime before I get back to London. Um, awesome. I think Chris did that on purpose. You. He opened it up right after I left. I'm not going to take that personal at all. Uh, but uh, uh, for me, don't follow me. As I mentioned, I will be uh, crowing about the fact that the, the Bears beat the Cowboys uh, on Thursday Night Football, and they are above 500 again uh, for the first time in almost since the first of the, of the season. Uh, but go by the website if you would, please, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others. Uh, I mentioned ISE. We will be heading to ISE in just a little bit over uh, two months here. Hang out with Peter and the folks at Sure and all of the other 80,000 AV professionals that will be hitting Amsterdam one last time uh, before we all head to Barcelona in 2021. Also, while you're at our website, uh, go by our supporter section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and coverage of ISE. And Sure is one of those, and we thank them for their support. So all that and more at avnation.tv that's avnation.tv thanks so much for listening thank you so much for watching that is all the time we have for AV Week